Hello and welcome to Breakout, the podcast from The Great Escape. I'm Rich, joining me is Fennec, Ben, Chrissy and Mark. Hey guys. Hello. Hello. Hi. In this episode, we're talking about the cinema experience. As we're talking about movie going, Felic, what film did you ask at the cinema? Uh, ben and I saw Bridge of Spies about two weeks ago. And what do you think of it? Um, it was kind of unremarkable. It was quite boring, I thought, to be honest. Whereas I thought it was really good and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Ah, differing opinions. Did you have a long and complicated argument about this fact? No. So it also wasn't that good then? <laughs> we just... <laughs> we, uh, we, we kind of know that we have differing opinions on things, so... Often we don't discuss them. I think part, part of it for me, though, was that we literally got in as the first few shots were playing and we, we had a seat so close to the screen that we had to pretty much look up the whole time. So I think that affected it for me. Chrissy, what did you... Uh, what last oh, we went to go... We, yes, you and I went to go and see um, In the Heart of in the heart of the Sea or The Heart of the Sea? In the Heart of the it's Sea. In the, yeah, there is an in in the title. Um, it's just that most times when it's listed on the cinema screening times it just says heart <laughs> so, heart yeah. of sea yeah. anyway we went to go and see uh, in the heart of the sea um we had to go right out of our way to go and see it because we'd been trying to go and see it for a while but there was this big blockbuster i can't remember what was it called that was taking up all the screens space trek <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically it had been bumped into anti-social time uh, uh slots by star wars so um we we tried to go and see it before but we hadn't been able to get a, a, a screening that we could actually go to um so we ended up going out of our way to a cinema we'd not been to before which is um the showcase in Avonmeads in bristol um which is a cinema from i would say i would say it's kind of early 90s i think so it's definitely got a very early 90s vibe to it. it's not quite 80s but it, it, it can't be much sort of more than about sort of 94 definitely got that sort of early 90s feel so it was quite quite novel um to go to a cinema we hadn't been to and sit in some really uncomfortable old seats um but the movie was good so that was that was that was good yeah, yeah i enjoyed the movie i thought it was uh, and we had long complicated discussions about it and the um pros and cons of the the the, the storyteller as a bracketing device in filmmaking so the the idea of um starting the story with a an interviewer interviewing a character who's telling the story and then you go into the story itself which is the film and then at the end you come out and you and you can break into that at various periods throughout the time so another example would be like the life of pi um is a interview with the vampire exactly exactly so you know that's that um and we, we had a very long and in, interesting debate about that and the merits of it and and stuff so that was that was cool i like films that generate some kind of a discussion afterwards so. and mark what's about you I was thinking, I think it might just be Space Trek. <laughs> I actually think that was the last uh, film I saw at the cinema. Well, a film that I, 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 one of the last films I saw at the cinema was, in fact, Krampus. I might mention that before, which is a, a great Christmas horror film that will forever be a seasonal viewing pleasure, I believe. Um, both these films were seen at the, the View Cinema, um, our local View Cinema, View Chain. Uh, formerly Warner Village, I remember going back like 15 years um, before they threw out the giant chicken. I remember when that opened and I'd never been to the Odeon in the centre of Bristol because my, my family were not cinema goers. My, I'd never really been to the cinema other than when I'd been on holiday. And um, 
we went to the, and the, 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 the Warner Village opened up and it's this massive like 12 screen multiplex or at least it was massive at the time um, and, uh, and and I got to go there with my friends and, and bear in mind that prior to that the only sort of cinema going experience I had was going to the local um, cinema the Curzon in Clevedon with my friends um, which is you know an old little community sort of you know cinema it's gorgeous and wonderful in its own way but it's not anything like the multiplex experience and it was like going into the future <laughs> i think i was about 12 when the when the when the, the mall at cribs causeway mm. and, the, and the venue and everything i opened. think the reaction everyone had the first time they went into that warner village back then was kind of like in toy story where they go into the uh the space space world for the first time the pizza place <laughs> exactly like so go watch that toy story again because everyone yeah. should it's exactly like that reaction <laughs> like, <whoa>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and there was like you know these space age like digital displays and everything with all like the red writing that all pans across and everything and, and believe me when you're 12 and it's 1997 this was cool. <laughs> when we say space age, you're more likely to think CFAX, but you know. <laughs> yeah, think yeah, think um, think Back to the Future. 2015 rather than now 2015 <laughs> and then sort of like calculate backwards. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, yes, it was certainly an experience at the time. What's everybody's um, first memory of a cinema experience? Hmm. I think it was going to go see Ghostbusters 2 at the Odeon in York, which has shut down and then reopened as another cinema. Mm. But essentially it was a 1930s Art Deco cinema, which had been modified in the 1980s into a three-screen multiplex. And... um, yeah, I think I was mostly overwhelmed by the film more than anything else. I think the first time I actually went into a proper multiplex was probably 1992 when they opened up the Warner Brothers cinema in, um, in outside of York. And, uh, and yeah, that was very much like going into what you were saying, Mark, and going into the, the Warner Village for the first time. It was, mm. it was an entirely different experience. Yeah, you just used the word proper cinema and indie cinemas across the world wept. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it. Well, that's an interesting sort I'm of. I'm shaking thing my head slowly itself. at him for the yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. You know, a lot of these um, cinemas sprung up multiplexes in the early '90s because of certain sort of changes in regulation and uh, a, a big push by the sort of yeah. government to get the multiplexes in, which did have this knock-on effect, pretty much shutting down well, smaller my, cinemas. My, my, uh, I'm, pretty sure, I'm sorry, I said proper cinema. I meant to say proper multiplex, because as a Three-screen conversion is not the same as 12-screen Megamart. One of my first memories of, a, of going to a cinema, actually, because I said I grew up in a family where my parents, we didn't go to the cinema. We watched movies at home on, you know, on VHS, yay, and Sky Movies. So, we, you know, we got a lot of the, the movies through Sky. Um, but we, we didn't go out to the cinema. My parents are not sort of, you know, people who like to go out an awful lot. They don't go any out an awful lot. They just tend, you know, tend to do other things. Um... So my first experience that I can remember is going to see a film in an American cinema. So when I was 10, uh, my parents took me to Disney World in Florida and we went to go and see a goofy movie in one of the multiplexes on the Disney World. I remember when that came out and even at that age, I knew that film was a bad idea. (laughs) Okay, quality of the movie aside... um, I'm 10 years old. Uh, the only other cinema I know of is the, the Curzon in, in Cleveland, and which is a, a s- small 
you know, fairly old-fashioned cinema. And even then, I don't even know if I've ever actually been to it at that point. I can't remember having been to it before then. And this experience in in the US is the American cinema, which was... I'd never even seen a multiplex in this country before. I mean, this was... um, This would have been... 94, 95. It would have been 93, actually, because I was nine. I was 10 and I had to lie and tell them I was nine. So actually, no, it would have been 1994. That's right. The government is coming now. <laughs> so yeah, it would have been 1994. And, uh, and I went to this massive cinema. And I mean, this is probably the biggest cinema screen I've ever been in, apart from four years later when we went back with my cousins and we went to see The Lost World in the bigger screen. <laughs> um, but it is probably the biggest screen I've ever been in compared to maybe an IMAX in this country. It was enormous. And the seats just engulf you. I mean, it was like probably big enough for two people to sit side by side in one seat it's like sitting in an armchair um and you know you've got drinks the size of a bucket and popcorn the size of a house you know it's like it was the weirdest experience of this of other culture that you know at that point and and even even now sort of multiplex cinemas in this country don't even really come close to what that was like as an experience of my first cinema experience it was crazy can you remember the first time you went to a cinema I can. Um, I can't remember how old I was, but it was to see Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Um, I was born in 1983, and I'm not sure when that movie came out. So, uh, 88? Maybe 88, was it? Yeah, I was thinking 90. Yeah. I might be right. It might be 1990. But anyway, someone else can do the math. <laughs> um, I believe it was the, um, the Odeon in Bristol. Um, I went to see it. I think twice or three times um, at various kind of birthday parties because it, it seemed that everyone in my school kind of had their birthday party to go and see Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was enjoyable. I mean, it's a fairly underwhelming cinema. Um, but uh, my, my experience is pretty similar to yours, Chrissy, where... Uh, <clears throat> You know, you, you don't really have that experience. And then you, when View opened, um, it was like like you'd been transported to America or something. And once you walked through those doors, you were in a completely different alien environment that was really bright and exciting. And um, But, uh, yeah. It's funny, though, now, thinking back, um, like... To think about the view cinema now, we kind of go there as a last resort <laughs> um, because now the the showcase cinema deluxe has opened up in Bristol and that's a, you know just that little bit fancier. Um, so it's interesting mm. to kind of think how yeah. you know how amazing it was back then and and now it's kind of we almost take it for granted and it's like oh well we'd rather go here because they've got you know, newer seats or would rather go there because their decor is nicer. Or, or mm. I'd rather go to the showcase because at least they know how to use masking. <laughs> mm. There you go. I know I went to see films in the cinema at various points taken mm. by various family members. I definitely went to see The Jungle Book when, on its re-release at some point. I fell asleep during Jurassic Park, so I was probably about 10 there. But it was a really boring bit. They're in the kitchen, for goodness sake, and hiding, and nothing was getting eaten. But I think the first proper time I really appreciated getting to the cinema was actually when I went with other people, and that was to the Curzon. 
And it felt different, because even though I was perhaps in better cinema, you were going on your own, just with people you knew, to see a film. Um, and the Curzon has a certain aesthetic, I think, mm. that the other ones would have been the Odeon because the view wasn't open then. So, and they're kind of bland, I suppose, the, is the best mm. way. You know, it was a big screen, but the chairs were all very 90s. Yeah. We went to the Odeon, it was like red seats, Velvet, big yeah. curtains, velvet. there was a little... Slightly pop, musty pop, smell in the air. Musty <laughs> smell one place. So it kind of felt like how I imagined cinemas used to be. Yeah. Um, and my first film that I went to see with this, this group of people was Speed 2 Cruise Control. I think I was there. I think I came to that one too. It um, was awful. The film was awful and everyone... And make matters worse, we all had to pretend to yeah. be 15 because we were not 15. I remember, I remember going to see Titanic that with a, a group of mixed sort of 15-year-old girls and boys. And, and I was the, there. And the, the sort of... The, I was actually sat with the guys um, and we were all just throwing popcorn at the girly girls. <laughs> that was great. Now, the best thing about that, the Titanic had an interval. Oh, it? yeah. Um, but there was one bit where Leonardo DiCaprio gets handcuffed to something and someone who rather liked her, uh, one of the ladies, uh, I believe her name was Kelly, was like, oh, no, he's handcuffed, you know. And someone told her they're going to chop off his thumb to get him out, and she screamed in the cinema. <laughs> like, oh. not that loud, but it was still there. I, I, I always remember that. Yeah, I think, to be honest, the, the Curzon occupies a very nostalgic, um, special place in my heart, because going sort of like to see films with you know a big group of people and, and then you have to remember that this is also the fact that our parents drove us there as well in and they did carpooling so mm. that they could ferry us all there and back it was it was kind of sort of very innocuous sort of fun in a way it was like there was something very um homely about it but what's interesting is that i think it ties into what we were saying before because Clevedon, you know, it's a 50-minute drive from our hometown, or it's where we are now, in fact. But, um, you know, generally... Oh, a 15-minute walk from my house. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, it was, it was relatively local as an independent one. The only other ones, the showcase we've mentioned before, would be places like Bristol. They, we're talking inner city, mm. a very Hard urban environment. To, yeah. And in the evenings after school, maybe, where it may be dark, I think there's going to be a reluctance to... Yeah, and there was, yeah, there was something that the, the parents liked it because it was safe, you know, they the, the same people were on the till the whole time. It was like there was one hatch you went through. They knew that you could sort of, that you were safe there because, you know, you couldn't just come out and be lost in a thro you know, throng of faceless people. I mean, you know, you were there, it was a community place, it was a little town. Exactly, and what's interesting about the view is by being that big multiplex, and again, more accessible than a city, it's not a big city, it's mm. an out-of-town shopping area, mm. it kind of takes me it it, it, draw, it has a draw perhaps mm. that people you know you go to the Curzon you won't go to the showcase yeah. but when the view opened or the one of those you'd go there well, instead the thing is, if, when the view opened you could catch a bus there mm. um, so because there was a you know a bus service that ran it's there and ran minutes, quite late so. as opposed to an hour yeah absolutely um, and the um I mean, the Avonmeads one, which I think was the only other one that was around at that point in time that one is it's not only it, it's on a sort of retail park but it's in the middle of an industrial area there's no way no public transport out there there's no and it's you know you have to drive all the way through the center of bristol so it's it's really not accessible for anyone who doesn't live in bristol yeah no, definitely so i think that's the reason many of these multiplex sort of out of town things with strong connections you know drew people away um yeah from from those kind of smaller ones like the curzon but at the time something like the curzon 
which is more independent, would have been a lifeline. Um, yeah, and sneaking in to 15-rated films. Well, uh, one of my most vivid memories is probably going to see um, Judge Dredd with my dad. Uh, I think I was 13 at the time, and <laughs> I, I kind of don't remember seeing the film, but what I do remember is kind of the dressing up beforehand to try and make me look older so that I could get into the, the 15 film without any questions asked. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, I wonder if everyone's got a I, similar I do actually of... remember us, us as girls in, in the parties of, of, of groups that used to go to the um, the, the Curzon, um, yeah, we used to do the whole dressing up to make ourselves look older. I think it was counterproductive. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think, to be fair, the amateurish of application of makeup and high heels did not make us look older. <laughs> so, really, the elephant in the room is the way that the cost of cinema, going to the cinema, has kind of spiralled disproportionately in recent years. Does, do you think that the modern cinema going experience makes that cost worth it? No. I remember when you used to be able to get change from a fiver for a cinema ticket. I remember when I went to the cinema for one of the first trips to the view after a while of not going and literally not having enough money. I, I thought, you know, this would be enough. Wait, what? It's more than a fiver just for the ticket? Ticket, yeah. Crap. I remember that <laughs> moment. Yeah. And now it's, you know, best part of £10, if not over £10 to get a ticket. It does, you know, it's... Um, I mean, what's actually the... I, that's a good question. What is the most you've ever paid for a cinema ticket? Roughly. Um, approximately. I think that I've... Remember paying, was it £15? When we were in Oxford, I think our bill came to £32 just mm. for the tickets, the two of us. And we almost sat in the most hideous seats it that was, I'd sat in because yeah, I was we, we, we had to pick seats, and so they said, you can go right down the front or you can go right at the back. And so we said, oh, well, we'll go at the back. Not knowing that this screen was not huge, but long. It was really sloped. And so if you sat right at the back, the screen looked like a TV at the other end of the room. So we went in and we found where these seats were and we're like, this is, we paid 15 quid each to go here. I'd rather be right at the bottom sitting with looking up at the screen so it's big than mm. sat right back here so far away from it. So we went back out and we, we, we had our seats reallocated and we, we watched the film. I think it was um, Age of Ultron, I think we went to Yeah. But um, on, on that occasion, I, I actually think the amount that we paid for the tickets undermined my experience of the film because I felt hmm. like I paid so much money and yet I was not in a, the best cinema I could be in, you know. I'd been in cinemas far better than that and yet I'm not paid as much. And so I felt sort of cheated in yeah. a way. I think the most hideous uh, thing that's come out of this uh, pricing structure in multiple cinemas is that of the gouging that comes from all these added extras. Mm. You've got 3D, you've got also, you've got to pay for your glasses in some cinemas every time. In addition, you've got these, <laughs> oh, extreme size okay, screens. Let's, let's go back here. I think you've made a key, in your wording, you've, you've hit the nail on something and that's added extras. They are not added extras. They are now payments for things that you used to get anyway. And that that's the biggest kind of bugbear for me, exactly what you say. 3D films, you did... OK, in fact, when there was less of them, when they were less of a big market money-making thing, you didn't have to pay extra for them. Now all the cinemas are equipped for them and everyone's doing them, suddenly you have to pay more. Mm. <laughs> it seems to be more and more um, grading of the pricing system as well, because mm. we... Um, we were talking the other day about how um, The View has now introduced some kind of 
you know, um, rating system for the films where the big blockbusters cost more than the small independent films. So, you know, smaller independent films, should I say. Then even then, it's still we're still talking about sort of like you know, big, you know, mm. national big films. But um, you know, they're 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 charging more for certain titles. When did that start? So happening? there's nothing there. So basically, you go to view, you can pay a bit more for a bigger blockbuster, and then if it's in three D, as Rich said, we add a bit more on there. You have to get the glasses in some place. We'll add a bit more. You want to sit in the seats, the ideal seats, where they've made them a bit snazzier. They've covered them in leather. Covered them in leather. Um, but otherwise, they're exactly, you know, the seats as before. You've got to pay a bit more. And Also, the, if you're in the biggest screen. The biggest screen is extreme. Now, mm. the idea of the extreme screen is that it's got all the new technology and the, it's the biggest screen... It was always the biggest screen. The only reason it's got the, all the new technology is they were going to do that anyway. They just did it with the biggest screen first, slapped a load of extreme branding on it, and essentially are now um, mm. charging you extra That's, just for where you're sitting. I think that view is extremely bad when it comes to that. The view extreme is essentially just their biggest screen, at least with when it comes to cinemas like Showcase or even the Odeon and their IMAX in uh, inverted commas at least the experience is very different, mm. that you're getting a bigger screen, better seats. I think it's what you call it, you call it a noticeably different experience. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the screen is noticeably bigger, you know, it's a different experience. And, you know, you can you can point out the differences, where I think with the, the View Extreme, you just go in and it's like it's a normal screen. It's just, you know... Just bigger. But not. The well, screen not. isn't it's, bigger. Yeah. It's the, screen is, the room is bigger, but yeah. the screen isn't necessarily much bigger. Um, you know, whereas if you go into an Odeon IMAX screen, they actually have put in a bigger screen. And, and, and less you know, seats to, to make it... Screen. And less seats to therefore you're sat at a good distance from mm. the screen and it's it fills your so vision. you actually feel like you're getting something for that extra money you're paying. To flip the coin um, slightly, why is this happening? Is this because the cinemas are being greedy or is it because um, the studios that create the films are charging too much? When it comes to films nowadays, there are actually quite a few reasons why film cinemas are more expensive than they ever used to be. One is the price of, of the, the blockbuster productions is far higher than it ever was before. We're talking every production's uh, tens and hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, also, the size of audiences is dwindling with on-demand services and new ways of watching films making it slightly unnecessary to go to cinema. And the third thing is that despite the increase in choice and number of screens there are, the average person only sees sees six films a year. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. When I mean, we say average. choice, I, I, I would debate that because, mm. as you discussed earlier, you say choice, but as soon as something like Star Wars comes away, all the other screens shut down. Mm. Films are thrown out the way, you know. There's, there's actually less choice because they want to push out the big money makers in as many screens as possible. Yeah, I was wondering if part of it was it's less about people going to see films rather than they're going out to have an experience that they can't get at home. So, you know, people have HD tellies now, so they wouldn't go to see a good quality film, but they might not have 3D tellies, so they can go and see a 3D film. And, you know, as as kind of things improve at home, I think the cinemas have to yeah. make it different I, enough for I it actually, to be worth going out to see something. I actually think also that there is something where they're almost shooting themselves in the foot with that because I have looked at what films are on of a week 
and decided that the films that are on are not something I'm fussed about seeing in the cinema, I'll wait for it to come out. And the reason for that is because it's so expensive. It's like, mm. do I want to go and spend, you know, 20, 30 quid for two of us to go out and, and have an evening at the cinema for a romantic comedy, which isn't really going to be enhanced by seeing it on mm. a big screen. It's, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a narrative-driven story. It's not a, an action set piece mm. film you know if it's a you know big superhero movie or a blockbuster I want to go see it on a big screen because it mm. is enhanced by that experience and this actually also ties into sort of the increasing sidelining of, of British film actually because British film can't compete with that and British films, there is a lot of drama a lot of stuff that people aren't going to watch on the big screen and it's all sort of a, 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 in, a, in a, a cyclical nature of affecting itself and it's what you were saying um it's actually that kind of nature of wanting something more that actually I think feeds into this this mm. bolt-on category that people think they're getting more. So if you have a standard price and then off all these little extras, it feels like there's more choice for the consumer because, oh, wow, I can have the 3D and the extreme experience and the best chairs so I can, I can package my own sort of mm. um, tailored... Experience when ultimately it's it's not it's just changing and categorizing things. But people like to have that element of picking and choosing. They've got control over it. Yeah, yeah. But I, I actually think no. But equally, it's a way of them making it, as you say, appear that you're getting more mm. when you're actually just getting the same. For more. <laughs> exactly. It's quite f- it, um, ironic that with the price of distribution through digital means coming down over time, um, that you are seeing less and less indie films in the cinema. It's, and even the art house scene, where you had these small screens showing, you know, independent, fantastic, um, fantastically different films, that's going away. Maybe not in the UK, but especially in the US, where everything's now um, multiplex or nothing. Well, what they say is what's now dead is the mid-budget film. Mm. is the the sm- not the really indie ones because they will always to an extent have even though it's dying you say that kind of art house that sort of area those specialised other cinemas. channels they can go through yeah but, mm. but the films that cost sort of medium or low budget if you go back to the 80s and even the 90s you know films I mean I have to go back to the horror genre because it's the obvious one but films would go in you know would get picked up and put in the cinema that were just made for you know crazy budgets and they give it a go that way because it would be a quick money maker and go but now as you say it's either the indie or the big I think there's less of that middle road generally if the cinemas offered more choice at a lower price would you go and see more films yeah I think so I actually think it's I know some places do like you buy a stupidly expensive season ticket or something um, Cineworld, world i yeah. think still do the season ticket well, thing but they they i think it's only something like 16 pounds you only technically i think need to go twice a month for it to be worthwhile it's actually not that bad actually as a deal but we don't have a city world uh, in Zero. i i actually think that there might even be a way to for it to go ahead you know i i actually think maybe cinemas should look into having essentially day passes yeah. you know the funny thing i find is that um the most packed screenings that i have ever been to have been re-screenings of old films. So I went to see Raiders of the Lost Ark in the cinema. Every seat was taken. 
sold out well before it was um, actually screened. I went to see yeah. Aliens, the director's cut in the cinema. That was really good. Not Aliens, um, mm. Alien, uh, the mm. original. Um, and uh, again, every seat full. Because people like the idea of that choice. They, 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 you can only go and see each... You may only want to go and see each film once. So, you know, if the blockbusters are on for two weeks, you know, you're not necessarily going to go back to the cinema to see more films because you've seen the ones that are on offer. It's like, I, I actually do think that if they um, if they offered a wider range of films, including re-showing older films, so that people who, you know, perhaps, you know, were too young to see them when they were first came out, you know, could go and see them in the cinema, I think they, they would actually find that cinema-going numbers would increase. I'm uh, very excited and planning already to go see Terminator 2 when it's out in the cinema. Um, when is that? It, sometime this year. Uh, it's its 25th anniversary and uh, James Cameron's doing a 3D version. Ew. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was exciting to me that. All right. Well, uh, I'm sure you can see it in 2D as well. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll be there several times to go see it because I never got to see, um, see it at the cinema the first time round because mm. I was too young. Yeah. Um, so first time I saw that was on TV. On on that subject, I mean, independent cinemas, you think about the Prince Charles in London. I was about to say that, yeah. That's entirely sort of pushes its whole, uh, well, he's on Detrous, old films, you know. I've been to, I think, three all-night movie marathons If that now. cinema was in this region of the country, I think I would live in the foyer. <laughs> uh, the foyer's amazing, but... And they have a Kevin Smith toilet. It's got a plaque and everything. It's brilliant. But, um... <laughs> So yeah, big love to the Prince. Yeah, Prince Charles. Prince yeah. Charles Cinema. Um, as I said, it, it, I did an all-night marathon. When they do these marathons, they try to get actual film prints, whereas the quality might not be clear, crisp. They are original cinema prints, and there's something to be said about that. So I've seen they did Friday the Thirteenth Part One to Eight All Nighter, Nightmare on Street One to Seven All Nighter, and I did a eighties, nineties teen horror, I think, all nighter, and they, it was amazing to see those experiences. I used to be part of the um, Southampton University Union Films um, group and uh, we ran the, um, the, the the university's cinema, which was a 300-seat um, um, cinema. Yeah, we had a proper screen and we had a, um, I want to say it was a Victoria 8. It's a uh, Cinemechanica Victoria 8, yeah, yes. Yeah, a 35mm um, projector, which I learned how to, you know, spool and do lens changes and everything, which was very cool. And um, and we used to show all sorts of films. We would show sort of, you know, mainstream films sort of about six months after they'd been out in the main release. And But we'd also show older films. And, and yeah, they used to arrive in, in boxes, you know, you'd have about sort of six or seven reels for each film. You'd have to splice them all together and you'd have to um, repair all the broken sprocket holes as you went along. But we, we used to draw huge numbers of people for, for that. I mean, that, that little cinema that we ran was absolutely packed all the time. Um, you know, because people loved the idea of just being able to go and see a movie that they'd known from their childhood or, you know, something that they hadn't, they'd missed in the main cinemas and so on and so forth for, a, you know, a very reasonable price. I think we, we charged about £4.50, something like that. Yeah. So I didn't I'm, know what we were showing, to be honest, but... Yeah, and I've, when I was down there, there were films that I went to see that were classics that I'd never watched before. Like, watching Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas for the first time ever in my life in the cinema was incredible. Mm. It was an experience that is just blew my mind quite literally that's one of the things about the experience because it's a very different experience in many ways like the cinema you know it's about being quiet about just 
almost being, even though you're in a crowd, it's about a still a personal experience generally in, in a cinema screen. Whereas you go to these kind of events and they are much more, I think, sociable. And what's interesting about the All Nighters at the Prince Charles is it's almost a uh, interactive element. I mean, mm. everyone there to see a Friday the 13th All Nighter in this packed cinema, you know, they're there because they, they love these films, they want to see these films. So you get boos and hisses at the certain points. Part three in 3D, it, it was an 80s 3D film, but they didn't have a 3D <laughs> version, but everyone got into it. So every time a 3D effect you know, yo-yo at the camera, the whole cinema was just like, whoa! <laughs> and there's this real sort of passion to that. Um, and the benefit, I got to see Lost Boys in the cinema. I got to see Scream in the cinema, which mm. I never had originally. These, yeah. You know, so they... There's, real I think there's such a potential for cinemas to be able to do that, and it would be it would be great to see more of them doing it because I really do think it's an opportunity for them to you know to, to draw in more people. And one part of the problem with this is Hollywood to an extent, and and not in saying Hollywood, but the business of it. And there are some issues actually. I mean, if you I don't know, you'd have to look at it now how it is, but. Um, if you've seen a film called Time Bandits, has an interesting sort of story behind it, mm. where it was sort of British-made, pretty independently produced film, um, and that went out there, uh, and they were trying to shop it round to get it get it to sell. And Hollywood, you know, the, the dish, you know, the the companies and everything were just like, we're going to give you nothing for this. The deals, they they weren't happy with the deals they were getting offered for it. Uh, so they went. They actually had an independent screening they set up of Time Bandits, and just literally. I mean, this is back in the eighties, so the systems were different. But they invited the actual cinema owners, the the cinema chains, people to the screening, and basically negotiated the deal directly with the cinemas to get Time Bandits and cut out Hollywood. What happened after this was Hollywood essentially threatened to pull all their major, all the studios together, threatened to pull major blockbuster films from all these cinema chains if they ever did that again, if they cut them out like well, that. Well, I mean, that's like um, what happened with Star Wars recently. What happened was that The Hateful Eight, um, which is Quentin Tarantino's latest film, is most famous for the fact that they were shooting it in ultra Panavision 70mm film. And... 70mm is not is nowhere near as common as it has ever been. Digital projection has taken over everywhere. So they commissioned both cinemas that still had 70mm projectors and retrofitted cinemas that wanted to with projectors in order to show this film. And one cinema that they really wanted to show it in is the Cinerama Dome in uh, Los Angeles, one of the most famous 70mm um ultra Panavision type cinemas. And they had already made an agreement, a v- admittedly a verbal agreement, that The Hateful Eight was going to screen there, Boxing Days onwards. Disney caught wind of this and informed the Cinerama Dome that they wanted to show Star Wars there. And if they didn't show Star Wars there over the Boxing Day period, they would pull the screenings from all of the cinemas within that chain. So obviously, the Cinerama Dome had to begrudgingly accept that because otherwise they would lose out on one of the biggest films of the year. And unfortunately, Quentin Tarantino also found out about this and he was pissed. Rightfully so. Absolutely. What I mean, you think is you've got a genuine art reason why this cinema should be showing this film. 
you know, there's a genuine reason for it. And, it, you know, Star Wars is in every other cinema in the country. So why are they so fussy about this one thing? It, and, and that's just throwing the weight around for control. It's just wanting to control people. In Obviously, in, in Disney's defence, they were his bosses for several dec- several years. <laughs> that's irrelevant. It's, it, my, my point being is that, you know, if they can, if they can do that, to mm. somebody else who is a big name and... And notably a big supporter of indie cinema. I mean, he's he's often name-checked the Prince Charles as somewhere he he sort of associates with, because he's a big fan of sort of quality cult and grindhouse, which influences yeah. his work, which is, is interesting because his work's influenced from all these films that weren't necessarily new, but were from the grindhouse circuit back in the 80s and 70s films from other countries that would just be shown, you mm. get... Double bills of quite cheesy films that. Well, my, that my parents stuff. and my parents and, and and Rich's parents always talk very nostalgically about going to see the, the you know the Beast movies mm. and you know seeing you know double bills and and the cartoon cinema. Your, your mum and dad talk about that quite a bit, going mm. to see the cartoons on the Saturday mornings and stuff because they that was what they could afford to go and see and stuff like that. So it's um it's uh it's certainly it's changed. Very, yeah, exactly. Very different world. I think in the UK when it comes to film distribution. Uh, it's it's in a way easier to get national distribution than it is in countries like the US, where the the scope is beyond anyone's comprehension. I do recall actually that um, films like um, Evil Aliens, which managed to wrangle distribution without the Odeon and got shown nationwide, despite it being a very small budget film, is something that can still happen. And also being able to get your films out into the whole chain of um, our house cinemas through schemes such as media. I think, though, you're already, Evil Aliens, I think you're going back over a decade. Or oh, right yeah, now. we're talking I 2005, 2006. I think it's even changed in the last 10 years. Yeah. From that, I don't think you see that as much. I think you used to always, I think Dog Soldiers, when was that? It was like around 2000. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there was always something that and around that time I think you said the UK Film Council was around I think by that point but you had this kind of push mm. to try and have at least you know some British films in the cinema so I think that's that's lessened in my experience in the sort of the early to the 2000s I would say I could go to, I could probably easily have gone to the cinema every week and seen something different and you know seen something that I wanted to see nowadays you know you can probably go three weeks from release date and you still be able to see the film you want to see um, and that everything is recycled for much longer and so I can go to cinema maybe two weeks in a row and then I'll come back to it in the third week and there's nothing new two points on that one one I think there's almost a counterintuitive thing about that that's exactly right films run longer and I found more and more film I'd be like oh I see that It'd be really busy, it'd be on for weeks, I'll leave it, eventually don't see it. Mm. Because I think it's going to be on longer, then I lose that interest. My second point, I was mm. going to say, the last Marvel film I saw in the cinema was Iron Man. Um, yeah, Iron Man 1. I would also point out that you're a parent. Your, your ability to go to the cinema has been seriously curtailed. Exactly. <laughs> but of the films I want to see, that's the thing. Mm. Big blockbusters are, I did go see Star Wars, mm. It's it's Star Wars. I think there is still something to be said with that. And for me, I really want to, really want to go and see that. But he wanted to go and see it enough to arrange a babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> but when it came to the Marvel, as much as I love them, I'm happily watching them on the big TV at home. 
I actually much rather go see Krampus. We made effort to go see Krampus. In fact, we're going to make effort to go see Pride and Prejudice and Zombies because it, it's just insane. I remember when um, when I was younger, if you, you'd go to the cinema to see a big blockbuster because that was kind of the only way you could see it because it would be, you know, when it finished in the cinema, it would be a year or more before it came out on video um, or DVD. But, you know, recently I found myself saying quite a few times, oh, I really want to see that film, but I don't think I can be bothered to go see it at the cinema because it's going to be out in four months' time. I'll just wait until mm. I can pick it up from Asda. Well, I, I, well, you can now buy DVDs for the price. I used to rent VHSs. You can buy <laughs> Blu-rays for less than a cinema ticket. Well, there's that too. Yeah, I think nowadays it's much easier to access the films outside of the cinema. That does make it less of a urgency. In a way, the way that cinema has evolved over time is directly related to the theatrical experience, to having experience that you can't get from home. Mm. From things like, like widescreen to surround sound to even sort of things like 3D and so on. Colour. They were all designed as methods to, to get people to stop sitting at home watching this newfangled television and get out there. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that's something that's, that's been a driving force within cinema. But I, I think a long time ago, um, prior to our generation maybe, when, you know, cinema was younger, um, I, I think it was, it was something to do, not a night out if you know what I mean. So people would go to the cinema, you know, of, a, of an evening, but they'd also go on a Saturday morning, like I said, for the, for the you know, or you'd go and see the news on a, on a morning, on your way before you went to, you know, as in, I'm talking about early days of cinema. Um, you know, it's, I think it has, the pricing of cinema has turned it into more of a luxury than something that people just do. I mean, it used to be, entertainment for the masses, the people who couldn't afford the theatre. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And maybe that's the failure. Maybe it's the fact that cinema has stopped attempting to be competitive with other forms of entertainment. That they've they've now kind of, I wouldn't say begrudgingly accepted, because they shouldn't begrudgingly accept the, the idea that they can't compete with television. Because they can, but they need, to, they need to, to be brutal with their pricing. They need to make it so that going to the cinema is not a event it's something you well, can like you just do about that statistic if the average person goes once or six times a year maybe as an average then you know if they could get that person to go three times more than that for half the price then they're quids in you know mm. it's like Mm. It, it, it would make more sense to get more people in and butts on seats. They make their money off the concessions anyway. If going to the cinema is a, a special night out, um, a special event um, or a special occasion, for instance, then how many people kind of think, actually, I don't want to go to the cinema and spend all that money because what if I don't enjoy it? What if I don't have a nice time? Mm. What if it's just an OK time and it's not the special event that... It should be. So how many people now are deciding not to go to the cinema just because they, um, they're worried that they won't have an amazing time? Earlier on, we talked about the idea of what's the, the best cinema experience or the most memorable cinema experience that they've had. But the question is, what's the worst cinema experience you've had? For me, I think the worst cinema experience I've had was, I can't even remember the film, 
but the projector was out of focus. And for me, that just ruined the whole evening. Wasn't that when we saw Slumdog Millionaire in the view? Possibly, yeah. I think it was. We've had um, technical issues with cinemas before. I'm sure we've we've had at least one where the, the racking was off. But uh, that's that pales in comparison for me to when I went to go and see Cloverfield. Now, I've never actually watched Cloverfield. I went to go and see it in the cinema. I haven't seen it yet. The um, found footage style of that film actually gave me severe motion sickness. I couldn't watch it. I had to go out. And I ended up spending probably about an hour and ten minutes. I maybe watched the first 20 minutes of the film and then on the last hour and ten or whatever it was, I, I, ended, I spent sat on the floor in the foyer waiting for everyone else to come out. And I think that was truly the worst cinema experience. I mean, we're just sitting here going, well, really, our worst experience is when we worked at the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, you guys had a unique perspective that is not relevant to this podcast. No, no, that's, okay. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's possibly true. Yeah. As, a, as a punter, what was your worst experience in a cinema? Um, the time went to go see The Hobbit in high frame rate and it was at the end of the evening and the projector got so hot oh, that it broke down twice. That's true. In the end, they had to refund our money and say, sorry, we can't play it. And we had to go see it a different day. Yeah. No, I remember that. And it, it was really frustrating because it, it went once and then we all had to come and we all went out to sort of complain about it and then about 10 minutes later they got it going again and it lasted about another 10 minutes. So it was in a way, it was like, why didn't they just let us go and refund our money the first time, you know? Just actually, this is interesting. So it's, it's not really the worst experience, but it's interesting mm. when it sort of shows how money talks. And that's actually when I first went with my uncle to see Spider-Man. And I first went, we didn't get to see the film because my brothers came with me and one of my brothers at the time would have been 10? And the film was rated 12, so he could not get into the cinema and they wouldn't accept that he was he was 12. We were trying to, trying to mm. get him in or something, you know, to see the film. Because it was Spider-Man. Mm. Um, money talks and everything. And it was, I think it was literally a week or a half later, the BBFC suddenly invented this new certificate for cinemas, 12A, where as long as there was an adult, under 12s could go in. Because Spider-Man was such a big draw for that young crowd, they had to literally... Change the rules. Change the rules. Suddenly, these films are not going to corrupt under 12s if there's an adult with them. (laughs) It changed the whole dynamic of cinema in this country in some ways. There's there's no way Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, the late Star Wars film, any film like that or the Marvel film, a lot of these films have 12 ratings and I think a lot of them would have... They would have cut them down to try and get the PG before... Rating certificates, next discussion, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Uh, politics of ratings. Yeah. yeah. Different topic. Uh, let's wrap this topic up uh, yeah. by going around and just saying, uh, what is every, what makes for a good cinema experience, in your opinion? What, what, uh, what, what makes it worth it when you're paying that, you know, hefty multiplex, you know, multi-bracketed um, fee for your, you know, different tiers of film things? What, what, uh, what makes it worth it for you? When the cinema owner has actually paid attention to the experience of the cinema, when they've checked it every day and made sure that the screen is clean, that the sound is clear and the seats aren't aren't covered in goo. Because far too many times I've been to a cinema in the last few years where there's been problems which they should have been able to see from the start of the day 
Yeah, you want to. Yeah, you'd like to think that if you're paying a chunk of money to see a film, that the that the cinema will be able to exhibit that film professionally, which actually is you know you'd think that'd be a given, but it really isn't. You do actually have to clean the screen sometimes, the, the actual screen. Oh yeah, uh, because I, I have been into a film and watched an entire film where there is like sticky soda stuck to the screen and, yeah. and it hasn't been cleaned off before the next film started I mean yeah. that's awful when you're paying a huge amount of yeah. money it's isn't it be, it's gonna be t- but they're, they're not you know from the staff side they're not pay- they're paying people pittance to do really horrible jobs if you ever see that advert saying want to work in film work for yeah. it's a lie it's a trap it's a trap <laughs> it is definitely yeah. a trap when they say come and be part of our family it's a trap okay <laughs> what about you guys what uh what, what makes a, a film experience, a cinema experience, worth it? Worth the money you pay for it? Just getting a good experience that you can't get at home, I think. Just uh... Yeah, so it's got to be good quality. Uh, everything's got to be clean. Everything's got to look great, sound great. Um, I kind of hate it when you, you kind of look up to the little window that the projector shines through and the little window is just covered in crud. And I'm like, for God's sakes clean the bloody window yeah the, the the picture has to go through that in order to get on the screen so it has to go through the crud <laughs> yeah, exactly point. i like that i like that one that's a good one um temperature as well um a lot of cinemas i go to it seems that the air conditioning is either too cold or too hot there's no just right um mm. so so I, I usually end up taking my coat into uh, the cinema regardless of what time of year it is it could be the middle of summer or the middle of winter, I take my coat in um, because I know I'll probably need it at the start and then I'll need to take it off halfway through or vice versa. Yeah, I usually do the uh, the whole sitting with it draped over my knees, mm-hmm. uh, the coat that is. Um, so, uh, you know, so, so it's sort of keeping you warm, but you're not actually wearing it. So you can just like push it off, put it on, you know, uh, uh, as you go. The only way I, I'd say other than this is in stuff like the Prince Charles when it's, when it's very much a group experience i think there's a great cinema experience to be had from there's, watching there's, there's, there's one there's thing. one level where it's what makes going to a general run-of-the-mill cinema worth it and then there's what makes a cinema experience memorable and that's where you know places like the prince mm. charles come in and uh yeah i think um there, there is something to be said for those those experiences that uh, that you know they stick with you in mm, a way that definitely. you know the average average cinema experience doesn't so okay so I guess that about wraps it up for this episode of Breakout. Please let us know your thoughts on your experiences of cinema on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thegreatesc. Also, check out our pages on TuneIn and Stitcher. So from Felic, Ben, Chrissy, Mark, and myself, Rich, it's bye for now. Bye. bye. That's all, folks.